Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. You go to two places with me today. It's a special service, our Thanksgiving service. We are going to take communion in just a few minutes. Uh, but I want you today to go to Luke chapter 7 and put a, a bookmark there. In Luke chapter 7, whether you have it on your phone or however you're getting your word today, Luke chapter 7, put a bookmark there and then go over to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. As I was preparing for communion in this service today, I ran across this story uh, in my devotion, and it really goes with Thanksgiving. And as I said earlier, we as a church have a lot to be thankful for today. Our church has a lot to be thankful for. God has been so good to us. In um, our grand opening weekend, you're going to see a video, uh, no pressure on our media, but she's putting together a pretty awesome video that's going to show a little bit of glimpse of the history and the journey that God has brought us over the years. Some of you have been with us from day one. Some of you are brand new. This may be your first service here. This is a great service to be your first service, by the way. Every time is. You get over the first initial, uh, you know, difference and awkwardness to come to a church. Uh, you walk through the doors. Hopefully you were greeted. We got the best greeters in Southeast Michigan. They're here ready to greet you and love you and say welcome. We even got hot coffee. Amen. That's for a limited time now, so you better come early and go fast. Amen. And we got plenty of room. We're having to add rows. Uh, we've added three new rows, and it just keeps filling up, and God is good. And and uh, pretty soon we're going to be able to use this facility the way God we intend. We got a lot of things planned. Our men's, just a lot of things planned. Conferences and everything, man. I just cannot wait for 2020. Is going to be awesome in Jesus' name. Can I just say that 20? Can we give God some praise for 2020? 2020 is going to be awesome. Amen. So we've been in this theme about our rise and shine. We'll get back to that. But today's Thanksgiving, and in my devotion, God kind of brought me full circle back around to. Thanksgiving and how to have the attitude of gratitude. And it was by one of, this is my wife's personal favorite story in the Bible. Uh, it is told in all four Gospels, one of very few stories that is told in all four Gospels. And some say it's two different times. I personally believe it could be one time. However, we're going to look at the facts that are in both accounts today. We're only going to read the John chapter 12 uh, as we read, it's the shortest, and so we're going to do this, and then Lord willing, have communion, and um, have a good day in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? It says in chapter 12 of John, verse 1, I always read out of the New King James Version. Sometimes people do ask me that. Anyway, that's where it is. Then it says, then six days before the Passover, which represents the communion today, this is a week before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Bethany's that little city. If you went to Israel with me a couple of years ago, we parked our bus, got out. We were soaking wet. It was really chilly. That's Bethany where we parked the bus, and we walked down and saw the city of Jerusalem. Amen. If you didn't go, go next time. Amen. Uh, so that's a little city. It's right outside Jerusalem. This is where Jesus was, where Lazarus, who, was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. You got that? There they made him a supper. 
and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would later betray him, John just threw that in there, and, and, said, and he said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? John said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he took care of the money box, and he used to take what was in it. He was the church treasurer, and he used to steal right out of the box, and that's something. And Jesus said, leave her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but me you do not always have. Father, thank you for your word today. Use me today, I pray, to help align our hearts today with the true attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving as we kick off the holiday season this week with an appropriate holiday, and that is Thanksgiving. We begin all things with thanking you first because you are good, and every good and perfect gift has come from you today. We thank you for that promise and for that, that promise in your word, God, that you will never leave us or forsake us, and you will walk with us through the ups and the downs, Lord. And we thank you for that today. I praise your holy name. Let this word go deep down in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Go ahead. You can be seated today. Thanksgiving. What's the definition of Thanksgiving? It's an expression of gratitude, especially to God. That's the definition in the, in the, um, in the secular uh, Webster's Dictionary. It actually says, especially to God. It is an expression of gratitude, especially to God. So let me just ask you this question. From a scale 1 to 10, how thankful are you as a person? Well, just, just, just ask yourself that. Are you, you know, if you don't know, you may ask someone who knows you very well. Ask them, because sometimes we can deceive ourselves. You may think you're a very thankful person, but ask the person who's always given you gifts. And that's one of the ways that you can tell how thankful you are is when you receive a gift. But where do you think? Don't have to answer it out loud. Just, I want you to think, where do you think you fall between one to ten? Are you a number two or a five, a seven? Are you one of them number tens? I'll never forget this. This was probably about... Oh, it's been about 10 years now. I was uh, making a delivery um, at a Kroger, and I was at the back by the milk aisle putting up our product, and I was early, I think it was a Saturday morning. Uh, it was early out there. I remember that, and, and uh, everyone was shopping by the milk. It was very busy, and um, I looked there, and here come a mom pushing this little shopping cart with the race car thing in it, and uh, I had a little boy, a little toddler. He was probably uh, three. He could talk and everything and, and, and carry on, you know, little toy he had. And he's talking and he's just sitting there. And then another mom pulls up in her little shopping car thing. And uh, they're all waiting to get milk. It was very busy. People's grabbing milk, you know. And I just happened to watch this. And a little boy just all of a sudden strikes up this conversation to this other little boy. He's like, hey, 
And uh, he's like, hey, and they start talking, and everyone's kind of like watching, but not listening, but listening. And it was probably 30 seconds they, they conversed about their toy, and they're talking across the, the, the aisle there. Moms get their milk, and they start to leave, and the little boy goes by, and the other little boy jumps out of the little shopping cart and runs over and gives him a hug. Says bye and thank you, and he runs back over. By then, I mean everybody's like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> and the mom starts talking. I'll never forget. And the mom goes, "I'm sorry, but everywhere I take him, this is what he does. He is the most thankful kid we have in our family." And I mean that made everybody's day, and, and I'll never forget that as long as I live. And I sit here and I think, I think, man. Now I know it's not appropriate for grown adults to go around hugging people in the milk aisle. There's a fine line between being thankful and being a creeper, okay? <laughs> Amen? Just say, what's up? That's good enough for me. Amen. So, but sometimes if we're on a, when do we lose that attitude of gratitude? When, when do we lose, all kids have it, some more than others. That little boy was about a 10. And there were many times as we were kids that we were very thankful, but what happens as we get older, we seem to lose, I believe, we begin to lose perspective. We begin to lose our perspective of what this is all about and where we got everything we have in life and how good God is. We kind of lose it through life. Sometimes our expectation and our experience will de determine the amount of gratitude that we have. It's what you've been expecting your life would be by the time you hit this age and your life experience of where you really are. A lot of times we will allow that to become the measure of our gratitude. This story here is one of the ones that helps remind me and help always brings me back to the correct perspective of being thankful and having uh, gratitude. I love this story. This story is much like our Thanksgiving meals that's going to happen this week. Now, let me give you the scene of what's happening. As I said, there are many theologians believe it's two different accounts. Jesus was anointed. I, I personally believe it was one. It could very easily be one. We do know that all these different characters were represented at the table, much like your Thanksgiving dinner this week. You had, it, 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 it was held at Simon the leper's house. Let's start there. This guy had leprosy. We know he didn't have leprosy at the time because they wouldn't be in the house. So isn't it amazing that although he has been clean and cured, probably by Jesus of his leprosy, he's still labeled by why he, what he used to have. Isn't it amazing how sometimes people can label you for what you used to be, even though you've came to Christ, got your life straight, and God's doing you're a new creation. Some people seem to remember you as so-and-so, so-and-so. But anyway... He's at, so it's at his house, Mary and Martha, or Martha is the cook. Martha's the one that seems to be cooking again uh, when Mary was sitting at the feast. So Martha must be a good cook. How many got a good cook in your house, in your family? How many? Amen. I, I told, we were talking the other day, we're all in my office, and we're like, hey, man, Thanksgiving's next week. And uh, Lindsay and Steve and Melinda were sitting there going, what are we doing? You know, we've been doing this renovation. And, uh, and I said, okay, let's go easy this week. Okay, I usually deep fry a turkey. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And anyway, <laughs> everything's better deep fried. But this, this year, I said, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do that, you know, so I love it when we do that. I said, let's just go easy this year. Let's just go basic. Mom looked at me, she goes, it doesn't matter to you because you ain't cooking nothing anyway. <laughs> true statement. That's a true statement. Amen. I said, no, but I help. I'm a good eater. Amen. 
but you always have that one in the family that can cook really well, right? Some of you guys are going to be cooking your favorite this year, your famous recipe or whatever. You got your favorite thing that you cook. And when you taste it, you know so-and-so made it. And when you taste another one that that's supposed to be, you know so-and-so didn't make that one. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's that Martha was that kind of cook. She was the one that could just lay it out. She was always cooking. Every time in Scripture you find her, she's cooking. She was complaining, but she was also cooking. Sometimes that goes together. Amen. I mean, and, and, and so Martha was the one that, she, remember, she was complaining and saying, Jesus, tell Martha to get married, get up here. Anyway, so you got, it says, Simon the leper's house, Martha is cooking. You have Lazarus, who is like the second guest of honor. He's at the table. Later in this chapter, you'll read that the Pharisees tried to kill him. Because since he was resurrected from the dead, it shook up the whole city and all the Jews were starting to come and follow Jesus, even the religious people. So the Pharisee says, we got to put a stop to this. So he's at the table. I mean, if the word is out how he has been resurrected from the dead. So he's at the table. And of course, Jesus is the guest of honor. And a Pharisee that Luke tells us, I'll have you go there in a minute, Pharisee by the name of Simon, he's the one that put on the whole thing. He's the one that organized the whole meal. It's a big deal. You have all those people I just named. Then you also have Jesus and his 12 disciples. We know for a fact Judas was there because we heard from him just a minute ago. So this is a big deal. You've got all those families. You have all these things that are uh, there. The word is out. Simon obviously had a big home. And here, they're in there enjoying their meal. They're having a good time. Jesus is sitting at the table. He's just talking. Wouldn't that be awesome to have Jesus sitting at your table? And just listening to him, and he's sitting there just talking. And every, everywhere you find him in Scripture, people were just drawn to him. Men were drawn to him. I mean, that is something to get men to follow another man. That is something that men, you know, this, so he's not this little wimpy guy that sometimes people paint a picture of Jesus. He was a man's man. He was, he, there was something about him that other men would want to be around him and learn from him. And, and learn, everyone wanted to be. He was like a magnet everywhere he went. His, his, it was the anointing that the Holy Spirit was upon him. So he's sitting there. The room is filled with, with everybody, and he's teaching. Then all of a sudden, the Bible says that this woman comes in. Now, John focuses on the gift. And this woman comes just busting into the Thanksgiving dinner, the meal. Everyone's having a good time listening to Jesus. All of a sudden, this woman comes in. And the Scripture says in Luke that she comes in and stands behind Jesus because she feels like she's not worthy to be in front of Jesus because she was a sinful woman, Luke tells us. So she comes behind him. She's standing behind him, and she's just weeping. And crying and it totally just changes everything she takes out what is an alabaster jar or box made out of this porcelain clay she stands behind Jesus with it and when she when she pulls that out it every everybody must have just stopped and looked because she was a, a woman that come in and just interrupted everything but and probably looking kind of ragged and however she was and here she is, though, with a very, very, very expensive box of perfume. And I love it when I study the Bible and the Bible classes I've taken, they always say, try to put yourself in the scene. Smell the food. You know, you look around at the table, who's all there? They're all talking, having a good time. Jesus is teaching. Martha's in there cooking. Some collard greens are 
mashed potatoes, greens, beans, beans, oh, whatever. <laughs> you know it. I had to say it. It's the week before Thanksgiving. Okay, I got it out of my system. Let's get back to preaching. Amen. You smell it. It smells so good. Everybody's coming. And, and, and it's just all of a sudden so nice, and everybody's having a good time. Lions are winning. They're on their way to the playoffs. I mean, they are undefeated. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Everything is awesome. And all of a sudden, this woman comes in unannounced. She comes in. She stands behind Jesus. And she holds that box, she pulls that box out, and I can hear everybody go, oh. they recognize it. Some have only seen it in a shop. Some have only heard of it. But this time they see it. And it's coming from a woman. A woman who would, you know, not really, women weren't very valued too much in Scripture. We don't get a lot of women's names when they appear. Jesus had the longest conversation with anybody in the Bible in John chapter 4, and it's called a woman at the well. We don't even have her name. There's this woman. She comes in with this very expensive gift. She stands behind Jesus. She breaks the jar. When you break the jar, there's no turning back. This gift was a pound of spikenard, which really was an ointment or, or a fragrance that a perfume that came from a root called nard. It's imported from the Himalayan mountains from India. He tells us, and John, that's why I love John, he tells us more detail. He said that it was worth 300 denarii. One denarii is a one day's wage. It's 300 denarii. It's a year's salary. What did you make this year? Put what you made this year into a box and imagine yourself giving all of it to Come God. On. Come on. We already took up an offering, so don't panic. <laughs> when you give to the church, you're actually giving to God through the church. I hope you realize that's the way God set it up. That's the way he set it up. So here's this woman given this gift. And I wanted to title this message, Making Sense of Sacrifice, because here's John where we get the most, uh, when she pulls out that box, it's just amazing, it changes everything. And when you and I begin to live at a level of sacrifice, other people don't understand. People come into a church, they don't understand why we even lift our hands. You know, as pastor, I'm always thinking of that, of who's in the church and who's coming. Sometimes people, we know people, why are you lifting your hands? I remember, you know, going to church, and when I first got saved, I was young, I was in my 20s, and, and I'll never forget, I had, had a um, WWJD bracelet, and remember that? And uh, I remember standing there, and they were real popular, everyone had them, I'll never forget this, it was a Sunday night, and, and me and one of my fellows came to church that night, and uh, we kind of sat halfway in the back, and it was a night service. And I'll never forget this. There was a family visiting our church. It was a really large church, and, but I knew that they were new because you get to know the people in your section. That's just how it is in larger churches. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I noticed that they were new, and they just kept kind of looking at us a little weird. They wouldn't, you know, it's not that they wouldn't worship. They just, you could tell they were new. And, um, and one lady tapped my shoulder. She goes, excuse me, but what is those little bracelets that everybody's wearing? And she almost said it like, you guys are in some kind of cult? <laughs> and it dawned on me, I said, wow, we probably look weird to somebody who don't come in, you know, to, who don't know. And, and I sat there, and I just explained to her, it actually means, what would Jesus, he's up there preaching, I'm back here, what would Jesus do? And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's kind of helping Christians remind us when we go to do things, what would Jesus do? And, and I'm having this little sermon back here, and, and they're like, whoa, that's so amazing. 
And um, the one guy goes, I see you guys lifted hands. You know, he goes, I come from a Catholic church. And um, it's not a Catholic church. <laughs> they don't do that in the Catholic church. I said, no, that means a posture of surrender. So I, I remember just sitting there having this little dialogue. And so fast forward to now, that's what we have in churches today. We got people that don't understand what we do, why we do what we do. They just, it doesn't make sense. And here Judas sees this woman give this gift. And when, in Alab when someone is living at a life to that level of extreme, it will not make sense. It will not make sense to part of you. It will not make sense to your flesh. It will not make sense to those around you. It will not make sense. But to marry, but to marry, it made perfect sense. You see, two things happen when an alabaster jar is broken. Two things, and the alabaster jar represents our devotion. It represents our worship. It represents our life as Christians. We as Christians are servants. We, we believe in servant, even servant leadership. Everything we do, do unto others as you have them do unto you. All the, love your neighbor as you love yourself. All of these come from our master. And it's no secret because our master was the greatest servant of all. He's God in the universe. You want to talk about what doesn't make sense? Someone says, Eddie, it doesn't make sense for you to work as hard as you are and to put in your time and, and, and to give the way you do. And to do what you do, and you may have a voice when you, when you write an offering or, or when you uh, help and go to Convoy of Hope or you help lay in tile or painting here, you'll have that voice in you that always says, you could have bought something else with it. You could have done something else with your time. See, two things happen when you live at that level. Number one, when an alabaster bar jar is broken, and when you live at that level, there's a shift in the atmosphere. When she broke that jar, your Bible says the house and the room was filled with that fragrance. Can I tell you when a jar is broken, when you and I are broken and we live at that level, there is a shift that will happen in your life, in your atmosphere. They went from looking and desiring some of that food, some of that ham, and ain't nothing wrong with that. They went from desiring and smelling that to all of a sudden smelling that there's somebody in the room that is hungry for more of God that says, I'm not craving over the flesh, but I'm craving the things of the Spirit. When you live at that level, and it don't make sense to other people. It didn't make sense to me to go to church my only day off. It didn't make sense to me to worship. It didn't make sense. The Christian life doesn't make sense to the Judas that we have. Because whenever your heart wants to walk in the faith, your mind wants to stay in flesh. Let me say that again. Whenever your heart wants to walk in faith, your mind will always try to stay in the flesh. Wants to make sense. Always wants to make sense. So you got to decide, what are you going to do? The second thing that it always does is it always brings out the critics always brings out the critics. Most of this story is when J Judas spoke up. And I love what John said. He goes, you could have, he first rebuked her and said, this money, that's a year's wage. You could have given that money to the poor. Don't he sound righteous? And the haters sometimes sound like they got a little bit of a point. That, that church, they know they owe you this or they do this and they sound a little bit. And John goes, he didn't care about the poor. He was a thief himself. His thinking was if this woman would have sold the oil and she would have got a lot of money, she would have gave that money to Jesus, which I kept the box and I could have got some myself. It's always a selfish motivation that we have. Exactly. 
if we're not careful, that will always try to silence the jars from being broken. Yes. Says he didn't care about the poor. He was just always trying to silence because it didn't make sense to him why this woman would come and she would give. Some of you are thinking, it doesn't make sense for me to be thankful after the year I had this year. It doesn't make sense for me to be thankful because this happened in my life. I expected even God to do this, but now I'm here. So what you're doing is, as I said, is your, experience, your expectations and your experience are starting to dictate your attitude and level of gratitude. What I want to tell you and remind you, you know what really doesn't make sense? What really doesn't make sense is the God of the universe to come down here to this stinking, failing, broken dirt ball of an earth and live for 33 and a half years and the perfect, blameless, perfect man that has ever lived to willfully give his life so you and me can be forgiven of all of our sins and to be washed as clean in his eyes. That don't make sense. So what do you do, Pastor Eddie, to keep that Judas in me from robbing me of living a life of brokenness like that alabaster jar? I love what Luke says. Now, I want you to go to Luke with me real quick. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. This, again, helps keep us and aligns us to the correct attitudes and mindsets that we need to have is whenever we get into the Word of God. Luke 7 tells us what to do with that attitude and how it shows us how to get more of the spirit of gratitude. It says in chapter 7, Luke is telling the story. In verse 40, it says, And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, this is a Pharisee. The Pharisee that set the whole thing up, he set the whole thing up, and he had Jesus, had all this happen. This woman comes in, interrupts the meal, sits down, breaks this jar, then she's weeping at his feet. And the Scripture says, Simon says within him, if this Jesus was really a prophet, he would know this is woman is, is sinful, and this whole thing is so inappropriate. I mean, it's embarrassing. If he was really the Son of God, he would recognize, uh, you know, what is happening. This is so unruly and unnecessary. She's too extreme. Have you had someone tell you you're too extreme yet? You know what being on fire for God is? When, when someone says that person is, is, is on fire, no, that just means that they're more surrendered to God. Right. You know what I found in Scripture, how to get on fire for God? You choose to be on fire. That's it. You choose to be on fire. You choose to be on fire. Luke 40 says, and Jesus answered and said to Simon, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he says, tell it. Look at what's happening. This guy was arrogant. Look how this dude does. This guy, this lady walks in, and he is thinking to himself, if Jesus was really the Messiah, he would tell this woman to get up. This is embarrassing, all of us. I mean, Martha done put on them greens, and she makes some good greens. It's getting cold. He's mumbling. He's mumbling. And Jesus says, Simon, I got something to say to you. He says, say it. That's what it says. That's how I read. Again, you got to get in there. You got to get into the story. He looks at Jesus and he says, say it, teacher. And then Jesus says this, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. I told you a denarii is a day's wage. So it's a creditor, it's a bank. 
These two people owed a bank. One owed a bank $500, the other one owed 50. And when they had nothing, verse 42, with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, and he said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightfully judged. I mean, that's pretty simple. Then watch what happens. Verse 44. Then he turned, look how Luke, Luke is very detailed. That's why I love Luke out of all four Gospels. I love Luke. Luke's the most detailed. He was a physician as well. That's why every time Jesus healed a person, other Gospels says Jesus healed a lame man. Luke will tell you he was crippled in his feet. Luke will tell you it was his left hand. He was a physician. So he always saw everything from a doctor's perspective. And so he's very detailed. That's why I love Luke. Luke also includes Samaritans. He's the, the Gospel, uh, don't tell Samaritans as being the hero, like the good Samaritan. Luke does. Luke, Luke is the Gospel that lets everybody know that Jesus' ministry was for everybody. And that Jesus was... was coming to earth, and he came to earth so everybody can have a relationship with him. Come on, somebody. Then he said, Simon, I have something. Then he turned, look at Luke, he turned to the woman, and he said, where was the woman sitting? Behind Jesus. He turned to the woman, but he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Let me show you what he's doing. Simon is a Pharisee. He would be like someone, the most religious person. I'm not picking on a Catholic church, but let's say he's a cardinal. We all recognize the big red outfit. I mean, it's a very uh, recognizable, uh, prestigious position in the religious world, right? That's a Pharisee. That's one of the leaders of the Pharisee. They wore their outfits. Everybody knew who they were. They demanded respect and honor, and it was appropriate. And if I see priests, I give them respect. I give him honor. I, I, I believe that. Jesus said to give respect and give honor where honor is due, even though they were living hypocritical lives. Jesus actually said this. He said, give respect to the Pharisees, even though they're sinful, because they sit in Moses' seat. So honor them for where they sit, but don't follow their example and do what they do. That's how you treat a boss who was scurvy and shady. You go ahead and give them to God, because God is going to find them out. But you honor them. Okay, he's the boss. I'll never forget this. It was a Saturday morning, and at my work, Saturdays, bosses didn't come in. So a lot of us, people were wearing blue jeans instead of your uniform. We were loading our truck, and we're getting there 3.30 in the morning loading our trucks on a Saturday morning. It was mainly a half day. But I'll never forget, I've been there, uh, I don't know, a year and a half. So, you know, I'm, I'm one of the older guys now. <laughs> and... Uh, these dudes are in their 50s, getting ready to retire, you know. And, and I noticed they had, some of them had blue jeans on. So I said, okay. So I wore blue jeans on on that Saturday and with my shirt. And I come in, I'm loading my truck. Guess who shows up? Joe Doty, my boss, the guy that hired me. The guy that I sat in his office and told him how much of a Christian I am and how God has cleaned up my life and I'll work for you the best I can. That guy. And I look over, he's got his cup of coffee and he kind of walked kind of funny like a boss always walks funny. I don't know why. <laughs> this guy did. I probably should have said that. That was so wrong. <laughs> he looks over, and the guy goes, and, and somehow bosses can spot you a mile away when you do something wrong. But when you do something right, man, they ain't nowhere to be seen. Isn't that right? Like, hey, man, don't you see? I got all these numbers in it. Oh, he's on vacation. What? <laughs> he walks on, and he looks over, and he does a double take. I said, oh, I stepped in my truck. I had my load. I said, oh, my gosh, I don't have nothing to change. I would have changed like Superman. <laughs> Because I was all the way down the dock. Here he come. He come walking down. Boom. I heard him coming. 
And I said, oh, I just stayed in my truck for a minute. Hey, Eddie. And he jumps in the back of my, walks in the back of my truck. He goes, uh, how you doing? I said, good. He looks down at my jeans, looks at me, looks down at my jeans, looks at me. He goes, he goes There's a, what's wrong with this picture? I said, uh, I, I know I'm wearing. He says, you're not supposed to wear jeans. I look down at him. The brother's wearing jeans. <laughs> and I look at him, and he saw me look at him. He goes, I'm the boss. I'll wear what I want to wear. <laughs> you want to talk about your faith being tested? <laughs> and I said, you know what? You're right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I clean it up. You won't see me in jeans again. He said, okay, that's what I expect. All right, and he walked away. Can I tell you that that was more of a bigger deal to God than it was to anyone else? Can I tell you that I was tempted to wear jeans again a few months later, and the Holy Spirit totally convicted me in my bedroom before I left the house? Anyway, so what's happening here? The woman comes in. I want you to see what this Jesus is talking to Simon, the Pharisee. He's giving him his respect. He's talking to him. But your scriptures, the Scripture says he turns to the woman. He turns his back on Simon. He turns his back on the negativity. He turns his back on, on the, the voice that says what you're doing is a waste. What you're doing is wrong. What, you don't have nothing to be thankful for. You could do other things with your time. You could do other things with your life. Why are you giving God the prime of your life? Why are you, why are you doing this? The Bible says, Jesus, and I got something to say to you, Simon. He turns his back. Some of you just need to learn to just turn your back on the haters and on those that are critiquing you and saying you ain't going to do it. You shouldn't thank God. You're in the middle of a storm. You got to learn to turn your back on, the, on them and look at her. And he said to her, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I have entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with the tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. Now, he's, he's got his back turned. It's obvious. The whole room is getting uncomfortable because you don't do this. He's got his back turned. He says, but this woman here... You have not given me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss me. Now, you would give water to somebody who came to your house as a common gesture because the dirt, the, the dusty roads and everything. So when people came over to your house, you would offer them some water to wash their feet and kiss them. That's still a Middle Eastern culture. When they greet one another, they kiss one another. It would be like shaking your hand. Jesus said, you didn't give me no water. You didn't even shake my hand when I came into your house. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, and I preached all of this as we prepare for communion. Worship team, why don't you start making your way up? This one little scripture right here, this one little sentence is the definition of how we have different levels of gratitude. He says, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. 
The New Living Translation says it like this, but a person who was forgiven little shows only little love. In other words, this is what makes the difference from the little kid that's in the milk aisle who's got a number 10 on the scale from 1 to 10 on being gratitude, and the difference of those of us that may be struggling today to give God any kind of worship or to give any kind of thanksgiving because we're a two. Because in your eyes and in my when I feel like that, I feel like I've only been forgiven of a couple of things. I'm really not that bad. In other words, Jesus really don't deserve my whole heart. You know, he's, he's okay, but he's not that. You know, in other words, those that's been kind of bad and, you know, I might have lied. I ain't been that bad, Eddie. I ain't really messed up too bad. Those kind of people are only thankful for a few things. But he says this woman here knows that she is rotten and a sinner and broken and her heart is desperately wicked, and who can know it? She knows that. And so she knows that she's been forgiven of much. What I'm saying to you today is what will really catapult us to the next level of thanksgiving is when you and I realize that Christ, had, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we can become the righteousness in God. When you realize that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, when we realize that we have went astray, each have done our own wicked way, when you understand that your heart is desperately wicked, who can know it when you realize that you are the worst of the worst and if you died without Christ you do deserve to not be in heaven with him when you really realize that moment you will break an alabaster chart you will live at that level and you will say it's not something that is weird but it is my privilege to worship you it is my privilege to serve you it is my privilege to be broken for you you with me? Do you hear me? The book of James tells us that if one stumbles in any of the law, he has broken all of the law. So I want you to stand with me today, and I want you to take your communion. I sat there, and I looked at that page in my devotion, and I said, oh, God, don't let me ever forget where you brought me. That's why I share my story all the time. I'm, not, I'm embarrassed of the things I've did, but I, I do it because I never want to forget where God brought me. Don't let the suit fool you today. Sometimes we can forget where God brought us. This woman came in, she goes, I realize. And that's what, what's so hard to get people to really get saved is for them to really get lost. Right? We're not that bad. Come on, Eddie, you needed Jesus. You was running around Southwest Detroit. I heard about you. You needed Jesus. I'm okay. I've been, you know, I ain't been perfect, but, you know, no, I don't know. And that will determine your level of gratitude. If you just think you've you've been all right, that's about the same level you're going to have. But when you realize where you would be without Jesus. You got to get there. I I can't do it in a 40-minute message. This cup, what we hold today, represents what Jesus did for us. 
his broken body that was shed for us. That's what today is all about. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. That's what the Christian life is all about. I don't regret anything I've ever given to God. Let me say that again. I don't regret anything I've ever given to God. Other people may look and say, man, you're crazy. This is kind of like the same concept of how it was with kids. I used to not like kids. When I was a teenager, I hated children. They were noisy, smelly, get away from me. They run around, they're all sweaty. Come on, get your kid. They're messy. I didn't understand why mom did all that, what she did for kids and dad working so hard to provide for his kids. I mean, I get it, you're a man, but I never got it until I started having children. And I'm just here today to remind us, say, hey man, if you're on the outside looking in on this message, you can't relate to the woman, you can't relate to the alabaster jar, you can't really relate that you were really that bad. You haven't had kids yet. haven't truly surrendered your heart to the place where you need I'm just trying to help you today because when you realize we are all like that woman and you have no problem breaking the alabaster jar for God go to the next level in your walk with God everything you get this holiday season this Christmas and New Year's and everything is a gift from God It's a privilege to serve him. I wouldn't take nothing from my journey. 22 years, my only regret is I wish I'd done this sooner. I have no regrets. Through the ups and through the downs, oh yeah, I felt like God was a million miles away. I've been tempted. I've been pulled. I ain't been perfect. But man, I got up and dust my leg, my pants right off and said, God, here I go again. Because it's still the the biggest, if I could be the most successful person in the world, I, I am still worse if I'm not. But if I could be the least in the kingdom, I am better off than the most successful without the kingdom. Simon saw a awful sinner, Jesus or he saw a great sinner. Jesus saw a great lover. Have you broken a box for Jesus? Have you ever broken an alabaster jar for the Lord? I hope you have. And it's not a money thing. It's your heart. That's what God wants broken, is our heart. And it feels so good when you just let God break that heart. Close your eyes right now. Focus on him. We hold these elements in our hand that represents communion, represents the brokenness of Jesus himself. Go ahead and open it up and take out that wafer that's at the top. It's a tasteless wafer because it represents unleavened bread. God commanded them to take this tasteless piece of bread because there's no additives, no flavoring nothing beautiful about the sacrifice that we give on the outward appearance. And so this is what Jesus did. He allowed his body to be broken. So we hold this little wafer in our hand today, reminded of what Jesus has done for us, how he has broken himself. Lord, I thank you for this sacrifice, God, that didn't make sense. Didn't make sense why you were perfect and you would come down here this earth and live among us and be lied on and persecuted and mocked. You did that for me. You did that for us. We remember that today. We align our hearts today with your word today. 
Forgive us, Lord. Wash us clean. We remember what you've done, and I bless this bread today as it represents your body that was broken for us. Thank you for it. We bless it in Jesus' name. Let's take it together. at her and he says your sins are forgiven your faith has made you whole really started a big fight in the room because Jesus forgave her sins he acknowledged her but the whole next week Jesus goes into Jerusalem and people gather there and they lay down their branches and they yell Hosanna Hosanna and it's all just a prelude to a week later the same people would say crucify him crucify him they took Jesus into the house of Caiaphas. I've been there. I've been there in the house. Underneath them is prison cells. I stood in the cell where they believed Jesus was. And the Bible says they mocked them and they smacked them and they hit them. But you know, every time that they hit them, this fragrance was so expensive, it was known to stick to your body for days and days and days and days. So every time they beat him and mocked him, they would just make that fragrance fill that little jail cell. And it said, somebody loved me enough to give me a year's wage. Somebody loved me enough to give me everything that they had. They gave me their heart. They gave me their energy, their mind, their soul. I am loved. You don't love me, but I'm loved by somebody who didn't care who was around them and worshiped me in front of everybody. I I am loved. The humanity, I believe, the humanity side of Jesus when he was getting discouraged, because he got discouraged, he was smelled at himself and be reminded of what this is all about. It's not about stained glass windows and suits and religiosity. It's about a relationship with a Savior who came to earth and died for you and for me. That's what it's about. That's what this is about today. He would smell that himself and he would think of Mary. Oh, that day I made Simon mad. I turned my back on him. And I turned and I leaned into this woman, this woman of the night, and I told her, pushed her hair back and said, I don't condemn you. Your faith has made you whole. Wonder where she's at now while they're hitting him. He's thinking of Mary. You know who Mary was? Mary was the last one at the cross. You know who was the first one at the tomb when Jesus rose from the dead? It was Mary. Can I tell you, you can't stop people that know how to break an alabaster jar. They don't need to be told to stop because they're not going to stop regardless of what comes their way. They're going to be the last to leave and the first to be there in the morning. Talking about where is he at? He said he's coming back. I believe it. Oh, hallelujah. That's what I'm looking for. That's what God's looking for today. We hold this cup today, Lord. We remember the sacrifice that you gave for us so we can be washed and cleansed of our greed and our doubt and our flesh and our selfishness and our just everything, God. It's washed away because of your blood that was shed on Calvary 2,000 years ago. That's what's represented in this cup. We take it today as we remember you in Jesus' name. Let's take it together. Hallelujah. 
know if we can sing one more song today as they come around. They're going to collect the cups. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.